This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. In a long-rumored move, President Trump and the Department of the Interior have moved to shrink two monument sites in Utah. Those two sites, Bears Ears National Monument and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, will be reduced by some 2 million acres in one of the largest such moves by U.S. government ever. But the move will be contested in court by a variety of groups which believe that the president may not have the authority to make these moves. To discuss this, we are joined here in studio by Wharton's Eric Ortz, professor of legal studies and uh, business ethics, as well as director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership. And we're also joined by Bob Keitzer, who is Keitzer, excuse me, who is law professor at the University of Utah. He's also a director of the Center for Land Resources and the Environment. Eric, great seeing you again, as always. Good to be here. Bob, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, you are there in Utah, so give us the reaction of the people there as well as your reaction. Well, the, the uh, politicians in Utah are uh, quite pleased, uh, uh, as you might imagine, uh, that President Trump took this action. He did so at the urging of our congressional delegation, uh, specifically uh, uh, Senator Orrin Hatch, uh, uh, who had been pressing him for some time to take this action. The, uh, uh, beyond the political establishment in Utah, the sentiment seems to be uh, split roughly in half uh, in terms of the local populace, with about half the people thinking that uh, uh, shrinking the size of the monuments was a good idea and about half uh, not thinking so. Uh, the Native American community that uh, pressed uh, uh, through an intertribal coalition for the establishment of Bears Ears National Monument uh, is dismayed at the uh, action, uh, as is the... Uh, conservation community, both in uh, Utah and uh, outside of Utah. Part of this is, I guess, to a degree, uh, Bob, uh, the moving of the control of these uh, lands from the federal government to potentially state and or local government, correct? Well, that sort of lurks in the background, okay. uh, but these uh, these national monuments were established, and, and they can only be established on uh, federally owned lands. Uh, so these are uh, federal lands uh, that are owned by the American public. Um, and uh, the state of Utah has uh, for some time now pushed for uh, more local control or actually uh, transfer of ownership in recent years uh, to the state. Uh, however, uh, this move uh, does not change either the ownership uh, or the agencies responsible for management of these lands. We're joined uh, by uh, Bob Keitzer, Keitzer, who is uh, with the University of Utah. Eric Ortz here at the Wharton School. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Eric, what was your reaction to this move? Well, um, 
It's interesting that, yeah, I guess one of the first uh, first notifications uh, that I received that this was going to be a big fight was actually from uh, Patagonia, which uh, happens to be a, a favorite of, uh, a favorite company of mine. But they, Patagonia, REI, and the other outdoor uh, businesses are moving extremely fast and extremely aggressively in terms of supporting a legal challenge. Uh, and so it's undoubted that there there will be a legal challenge. Uh, and then looking into the issue, uh, it's uh, it's somewhat it's somewhat interesting to me to see what had happened with uh, between the time that the recommendations were made by Ryan Zinke and then uh, Trump's announcement of what was being done. Uh, if you look at the initial recommendations, we I think it was anticipated that we would have uh, this move to re to there was a campaign promise to look at the national monument uh, designations. Uh, the Bear Ears uh, monument was a very large one. This is a big issue in Utah, as, as Bob's indicating, because of the percentage of land that is owned by the federal government there. And mm-hmm. and, and when it's uh, when land is designated a national monument, it's restricted from private kinds of uses uh, and potential sales. And that's another uh, issue in the background here. But in the initial uh, proposal by Zinke, there were uh, looked like there were he did a review. Then there were going to be six changes uh, that were recommended. But he also uh, he also had recommended that there be new monuments, and this surprised me. Where you had Badger Two, there was a Badger Two uh, 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 monument that was recommended in Montana, his home state. Right. And then there were two monuments that I think would have, if you had a balanced administration, would have uh, been political. You can see the political gain that this could be for the Republicans, where one was in Camp Nelson, Kentucky which would have been a monument honoring black soldiers who were trained there in the Civil War, and another was the Mississippi home of Medgar Evers. So you can imagine that if Zinke's suggestions and recommendations had been followed by the president, that we might have a much different kind of uh, conversation. But instead, those, uh, those proposals were rejected, you, you, so you have a, just a massive reduction of these uh, of these areas, and there's and there's going to be a there's a, there is already brewing a major pushback, not only from the outdoor um, industry, uh, but a lot of people a lot of people who are interested in environmental issues. And then the other issue here is the Native American uh, Native American populations, uh, in which have historically been. We've had a history of making agreement and then going against that agreement. Right. So anyone who knows about American history. You see this as really a direct insult to these groups who have been um, who lobbied very strongly to get this monument designated and now really see their that decision really see this as desecrating a promise by the federal government to protect uh, land that is is deemed as sacred and there's a lot of especially in the bear ears case. Uh, many artifacts and other archaeological sites that are uh, being protected. Well, Bob, when you uh, you mentioned the uh, Native Americans, uh, what are their major concerns about the moves on these on these properties? Well, this is an area, as uh, Eric mentioned, that's uh, very rich in uh, archaeological sites, uh, sacred sites, uh, culturally very significant to the southwestern uh, tribes. Uh, five of them came together in an unprecedented. Uh, intertribal coalition to advocate for uh, protection of these lands. Uh, And that in in itself is significant because uh, the Native Americans have uh, never stepped forward uh, previously in the 110-year history of the Antiquities Act to seek uh, protection under it. So uh, President Obama was responsive to that. 
um, and it uh, seems appropriate uh, given the uh, underlying purpose, uh, certainly one of the major underlying purposes of the Antiquities Act, which was to protect uh, uh, ruins, uh, artifacts, uh, archaeological sites, and that sort of thing uh, uh, throughout the, uh, the country, but in particular in the Southwest. Um, so the, the Native Americans, uh, uh, pretty much across the board, although there is one Native American community in Utah on the other side of this, but uh, uh, otherwise uh, seem uh, basically united in uh, opposition to the actions that the president has taken. So, so if, if these lands are, are no longer under, quote-unquote, federal control, Bob, then, then what becomes of them? Well, they remain under federal okay. control. The the uh, the question really is uh, how they will be managed going forward. Okay. Uh, and the national monument designation that was uh, placed on these lands, but as you noted, uh, uh, now removed from uh, roughly two million acres, um, uh, that provided a- additional protection. And in particular, it uh, precluded industrial-type activities, such as uh, mining, uh, oil and gas leasing, and that sort of thing. Uh, with the monument designation uh, now gone from those two million acres, uh, they are potentially open for uh, mining claims, oil and gas leases, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so there's the potential of uh, industrial activity occurring on those lands. The other thing that uh, uh, changes with it by virtue of some of the specifics in the uh, order uh, that uh, President Trump issued uh, on Monday uh, is uh, uh, access to these lands uh, through uh, roads and trails, and in particular uh, through uh, off-road vehicles, uh, ATVs, and that sort of thing, uh, which brings people uh, 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 more deeply into the, the heart of this country uh, and opens the door for uh, looting of uh, native artifacts and that sort of thing, uh, which has been a ser- pretty serious problem on the Cedar Mesa area. That's where the... Uh, Bears Ears National Monument uh, is established, or was established. 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call. 844-942-7866. If you'd like to join in, or if you can't get to, uh, join us by phone, you're more than welcome to send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, this is obviously, Eric, a, a great concern for a lot of people, as you mentioned, all kinds of different groups. There's already been, I think, at least one lawsuit that has been filed mm-hmm. to try and block this. I, I assume that the expectation is we will see other ones down the road. And, and then I guess the question is, potentially, this seems like it would be an issue where this may very well go all the way up the chain of the, of the, uh, uh, of the ladder in terms of uh, the, the court system. Yeah, it could go up. It could go up to the Supreme Court, and this is the reason. So the Antiquities Act of 1906 basically provides the uh, power to the president to designate these national monument areas of the federal lands that are owned. The problem is that the law is not clear whether or not the president can also undesignate. So once one president designates, so for example, Bears Ears uh, National Monument of of the was declared by President Obama. Uh, the Grand Staircase Escalante was originally declared by uh, President Clinton. But the question then is, can a president change that? So right. you have a new president, uh, in this case, for example, listens to the Utah delegation who are Republicans pushing for a retraction of that 
uh, scope or or maybe even reversal. But what's here, what's argued here is that you can modify it, but the statute is silent about that. So yeah. there are two arguments. One argument is uh, that would defend the president's action is that the power to designate a national monument would necessarily include, by an interpretation, the power to reduce that or to take that take that designation back. On the other hand, the argument from environmentalists and the outdoor uh, industry and, um, and Democratic opponents is going to be, well, no, there's not, the act is silent about that. And in fact, in 50 years, more than 50 years, no president has ever changed a, a, a de- designation of a monument. So there's going to be some th- – that issue is because the statute is unclear, whenever some, a statute's not clear and there's a lot of passions on both sides, and it looks to me like it will be – that is the kind of issue that could go all the way up to the Supreme Court to decide. So, Bob, with your legal background, how do you read that? Uh, Eric's analysis of the uh, Antiquities Act, uh, I I could add a couple other uh, points uh, regarding that. Uh, There is some history of presidents uh, pre-1960s modifying uh, boundaries of national monuments. Um, uh, So that's a – but none of those were challenged, so we don't have any sort of court ruling on this question of presidential authority. And then, uh, most importantly, I think, in 1976, uh, Congress adopted what's known as the Federal Land Policy and Management Act. Uh, and in uh, one section of that uh, large statute that really rearranged all of the law governing uh, public lands uh, here in the West, uh, the Congress uh, uh, addressed the question of, the, of what's known as the President's or Executive Withdrawal Authority on Public Lands, and it explicitly said in that statute uh, that the Secretary of the Interior does not have authority to modify or uh, rescind uh, a national monument. Now, that doesn't speak to the president. Right. Uh, however, the legislative history, uh, a report uh, from the House committee that uh, drafted that legislation, says that Congress intended to reserve for itself the power to modify or revoke national monuments. So you've got a situation where you have the ambiguity of the Antiquities Act uh, uh, along with this uh, subsequent legislation, and uh, it's noteworthy that since the uh, uh, FLIPMA, it's called, uh, Federal Land Policy and Management Act, was adopted, uh, no president has sought to uh, modify or revoke uh, national monuments. And I probably should note that it's uh, been widely reported that the George W. Bush administration that followed uh, President Clinton, who designated quite a few national monuments himself, uh, reviewed uh, uh, all of those monuments and ultimately came to the conclusion uh, not to seek any sort of uh, change or rescission. Uh, it's not clear if that was done on legal grounds. Uh, that decision was based principally on legal grounds or other grounds, but uh, at least it's noteworthy. But the possibility seems like, Eric, at least from uh, reading the backstories on this, that uh, these two monuments may be the start of, of potentially other monuments that have the potential of being reduced in size. Well, that's correct. They're not the only ones. That, they're the one, they're the, these are the largest re- reductions. There yeah. are other uh, changes that are, have also been proposed. And uh, you're right that if this went forward, then there would be other possibilities for uh, for change that would be indicated. So that that's another reason why it's uh, likely to catch the to, to catch the Supreme Court's attention because the, if you have a precedent of this size that a president can just change uh, this issue, uh, change the interpretation of the, or designations, then that would be 
pretty important. One other footnote there is I think you know, a policy background here is it seems kind of there is a, it seems on the one hand it seems well if the president has the possi- possibility of designating how come it's not obvious that they you could all go the other way mm-hmm. if people disagree with that and elect a different president but I think if you think about this kind of context of protecting lands that are ancient that's the whole idea here yeah. is that it once you once you designate that as protected the idea that you could then just undesignate it to me just strikes me as not very reasonable right because you're if you if you're saying okay we're going to designate a national park or or other area that's protected and then if it's just subject to one election cycle yeah. that you could just withdraw all that and just let, allow to, you know, allow any kind of development just to let to let it rip after one election cycle. It seems like that's not uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to interpret the uh, statute as allowing that kind of uh, that kind of extreme variation between uh, election cycles. Well, so I think that's another question. That's another reason why I think the interpretation that Bob suggests of the uh, of the 1976 change also makes sense, where if you really want to do this, then Congress can pass. Right. It's a Republican Congress. So if this is if this is important uh, and they want to move it forward through Congress, let's see it be done through Congress rather than just the president making well, a designation. Bob, I, I guess the the question is, and you alluded to it a, a little while ago, uh, is the you know what potentially uh, is under those grounds that that would seemingly be of interest. And, and I guess the question is, has that been researched that uh, that there is oil or whatever natural resource uh, on parts of these protected lands that that potentially would be valuable to companies? Uh, there's uh, some possibility of uh, minerals under some of these lands. Uh, in particular, when the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument was designated, uh, there was quite an uproar that it, uh, the designation precluded development of a coal mine in a very remote uh, part of what's known as the Kapirowitz Plateau. Um, and, uh, it, it, however, that said, most uh, uh, knowledgeable folks uh, don't think there's any likelihood of uh, uh, that mine going in at this point in time, given the state of the coal market and uh, the costs associated with the mine. Uh, there's a uh, likelihood of uh, some uh, oil and gas, uh, possibly some uranium in a, a few of these areas, uh, but it's probably not a major threat. Uh, it's the... Uh, uh, opening the area to uh, ATVs and uh, uh, that sort of thing that uh, mm-hmm. uh, presents uh, perhaps the greatest threat to the uh, antiquities that are found there. And if, uh, Dan, if I could build on uh, yep. Eric's point, uh, um, and I, I think he uh, pretty much alluded to this, uh, uh, if, you know, if one administration come along and uh, change this and uh, uh, shrink the monuments, the next one could expand them. And we could have an endless cycle of sort of tit for tat, right? Uh, and that's no way to manage uh, land or uh, resources. Uh, no one can make uh, firm decisions about what's uh, right and appropriate. And uh, ultimately, Congress really is the uh, final decision maker under the Constitution and what's known as the property clause in Article Four. And uh, that's the uh, institution that ought to uh, make uh, final decisions in this case. Yeah, and just to pick up also on the uh, economic analysis aspect, uh, I think there are some. I think there are actually some oil and gas leases that have already been authorized, but they're not actually even being developed mm-hmm. for economic right. reasons. So there is some threat of this, but the but the main issue also, if you look at it from an economic perspective, and is that the outdoor industry and the tourism industry has sure. very strong arguments here. 
And uh, if you look at the, there was a notice and comment period for the change of these monuments, for example, and I think the number is something like 98% of the responses were against changing these national monuments. And if you look at the numbers that are quoted in the outdoor industry, uh, 71% of climbers, 70% of hunters, 43% of people who like to paddle around, uh, like me, 200,000 <laughs> miles of hiking, 13,000 miles of mountain biking are included in these uh, federal lands. And then that translates, though, economically to 7.6 million jobs and $887 billion in annual um, annual spending. So if you put that amount of income aside the relatively minimal oil, gas, coal, maybe <clears throat> uranium uh, uh, opportunities, it seems pretty clear the economic analysis of this comes in favor of the balance toward uh, tourism and the outdoor retailing industry. And I think that's one of the reasons you see this, uh, the, the public opinion, even in Utah, which is which is bears a huge burden in the right. sense that there's a lot of this land in the state that's designated this way. But even there, you've seen, for example, in, uh, since the designation of the Grand Staircase Escalante, there's, a, there's been a huge boom in numbers of jobs and uh, that are supported by a tourism industry where you have people coming to experience these uh, uh, these federal lands and the beautiful. Uh, the beautiful history and the beautiful natural experiences that you can get. So and, and you have to look at the economic analysis here on, uh, probably goes uh, on that direction. And the extent that you're going to change that, then yeah. I think you're also – you're going to see that in the lawsuits too, is, okay, what's the rational basis for why you're uh, making these kinds of changes? Uh, where, what was the process that the, uh, the Interior Department went through? Did you do your – uh, due diligence in terms of an economic analysis of the benefits and costs of this change. And I have a feeling, my, my intuition, without having looked at the, this in details with each of the monument changes, is that the economic analysis of this will come out in favor of preserving the designations rather than changing them. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I mentioned this with Eric uh, a, a few minutes ago, Bob, but it, it does feel like, uh, and we already have, I guess, one uh, lawsuit that has been filed against this and probably more to come, but this does feel like it has the uh, uh, the strength to, to really carry up the chain of the legal system right now. I, I think that's correct. Uh, to my knowledge, there are at least three lawsuits okay. that have been filed at this point, and I would expect at least a couple more. Uh, and, uh, you know, the courts will have to wrestle with these underlying uh, legal questions that we've identified. Uh, if I could uh, p- uh, pick up on Eric's uh, comments, uh, interestingly, the Chamber of Commerce in a couple of the uh, uh, principal towns affected by the uh, uh, Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument uh, came out uh, very strongly in support of retaining the monument uh, based upon the 20 years of uh, economic growth uh, that we've seen in the area, particularly in the recreation and tourism sectors. Uh, That doesn't speak to the, if you will, the sort of uh, traditional uses, in particular the ranching communities uh, that have been pretty strongly against this, although uh, both proclamations, both Bears Ears and Grand Staircase, said that uh, livestock raising would and could continue in the monument subject to existing laws. So there was no real change with that sector of the economy. But uh, nonetheless, the uh, ranching community here and across the West has been pretty leery of uh, uh, federal protective designations like uh, national monuments.
Eric? Yeah, well, I think that's uh, you know that that hits on the 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 knob of the of the contest on the other on the other side. There is a there is a feeling, and I think in many Western states, and Bob knows this much more directly than I do. I've had experience in Alaska, for example, where I've met some people when you're hiking around, and there's not a, a real love of the federal government having taken over land and designated uh, land uh, to to be protected. Uh, and that's a that's a general debate that's in the background here, and it's the uh, there's a political that's the political context of this debate as well as the extent to which this should be the federal government's job to come in and uh, and 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 make these kinds of designations as opposed to a respecting of the private rights of uh, of ranchers etc. And I think and to take the view uh, to take that side of the debate, there is a concern that if you're a rancher and you see this, there's a there's a concern that this is just one step toward designation of national parks and other more protective uh, regimes that then take away your right to use federal land. So the question there is the right to uh, use leasing to, to, uh, for, your, for your herds and, right. uh, on federal lands, which is generally allowed in these kinds of cases. And as Bob indicated, this hasn't really changed. But there's always the threat in the background. Usually there's a ratchet effect where you have it first something as a national monument, then eventually uh, it, it, it becomes a national park or, right. or, some, or, or you have greater, greater restrictions that the federal government would place on private activities as conservationists would say, well, we have to preserve wildlife sure. rather, yeah. than these, uh, rather than your cattle, right? Something like that. So, um, so that is an issue in the background here. Uh, one other point to just uh, on that side to throw out there, which I think will also come out in the litigation, is that the my understanding of the Antiquities Act is that there's a there's also a phrase that says you you you, you only designate that land that minimally the minimum Correct. amount yep. that yeah. is able to to serve the purpose of what you're trying to do. Right. So if this was a little bit more of a moderate change, like I could imagine in Bears Ears, for example, and they said, well, we looked at this and President Obama was really way too expansive on this, so we're going to cut it back like 10%, 15%, something like that. But the problem here is I think that's just so radical. It's like 85%. 85%, yeah. And in the other case, it's half. So there really says, okay, there's really a debate there. And so that may come out, but I can imagine that as being like some kind of a compromise uh, decision that the courts would have to say, well, look, you, know, it's, you haven't – this hasn't gone through the right process or some, or, or some. But that, that may be another subsidiary issue. The main issue that probably will have to go up to the Supreme Court to decide is whether the president has this power or not. Well, I guess, I guess uh, Bob, that's going to be the, the, really the guts of, the, of this case moving forward is whether or not the, the president does have the right – if the president has the right to to designate these as national monument, monuments, whether or not he has the uh, the, the right to to reverse that decision, uh, that's correct. I think uh, whether or not there's an implied uh, power there uh, in the face of uh, the explicit language in the uh, Antiquities Act, and then the uh, subsequent uh, history uh, and language found in this uh, Federal Land Policy and Management Act of 1976 that I mentioned. Uh, your listeners also might be interested to know a little more history on public lands in Utah, and that's yeah. that we have uh, five national parks here that are uh, heavily uh, promoted by the state uh, for tourism purposes uh, as the Mighty Five. Uh, four of those five uh, national parks uh, were originally designated national monuments by presidents back in the early part of the uh, 20th century, uh, and uh, in each case, uh, strongly resisted by local communities uh, and the state, uh, and over time uh, won over 
the people uh, and the uh, congressional delegation uh, stepped forward and was uh, supportive, ultimately, of national park status for these uh, areas. So there's uh, a variety of uh, sort of uh, historical paradoxes surrounding this uh, current battle over uh, these two national monuments. I, I guess to a degree, Bob, though, it's it's interesting as you kind of laid that out that, uh, you know, we're talking about the lands and the, and the preserving of the lands, but this is just as much a legal and political fight as anything else. Uh, it is. Uh, I mean, that's uh, at the nub of it, and uh, the politics uh, really speak to uh, you know, federalism in the broadest sense and uh, to federal control versus uh, state and local uh, uh, role in uh, oversight and management uh, of these uh, lands. Yeah, and one, one other comment there is that you really see, I think that you're going to see a galvanizing of the environmental movement. And sure. it's also an interesting phenomenon that you have some very big companies like, or yeah, very, companies becoming very active politically. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, on the, on the flip side of this, if you're, if you're looking at it from the environmentalist point of view, this could be a turning point where you, uh, this helps to get to, this helps to mobilize uh, an environment, the environmental political movement in the current era. Traditionally, environment has ranked pretty low on priorities for voting for president, for example, or right. other other areas. So, what this could do, and seems to be, I think I would predict will happen, is that this will increase uh, the political activity of people who are otherwise maybe just you know using recreation or doing it for fun, but they don't really see it as a threat. But but you have companies actually. Patagonia is, is the leading one coming out with ads saying the president stole your land right. and really trying to move the needle in terms of uh, political activity. And, and you're talking more so on the national level because if, if, you know when in the last few months with the pipeline up in Montana, uh, you know the concern of, of obviously the Native Americans up there. We have seen the push to, to try and block and change these moves, but you're talking about having an impact directly more so on a national perspective, whether, yeah. whether it be the, the race for the president uh, to a degree it probably already has been with Senate races or races for the House of Representatives as well. Well, it's a national movement, but remember also that there, are, you know, there's money behind this. So to get, you know, the, the, this is moving to the local fights, and uh, Patagonia is affirmatively asking its customers to not just buy its stuff, but yeah. to actually contribute to these different uh, local movements. So yeah. one thing that's for sure is that this legal challenge is going to be well funded. It's not just a bunch of, uh, you know. Uh, tree huggers don't have any cash. <laughs> it's going to actually. Uh, there's going to be high level, uh, high level legal challenges that are going to be made to this. Great having you both with us, Bob. Thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate. It. We'll, I'm sure, touch ba- touch base with you again about this. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank I you. The opportunity. Thank you, Eric. Great seeing you again. Thank Good you very to see much. You too. Thank you. All the best. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 